Hey everyone, this is Taylor and welcome back to another message from Elevate Retake. Today's message is from our series Revive and it is preached by Pastor Michael Gibson. The sermon title is Pour It Out. Your engaged question is who is the Holy Spirit for? And a key text we will be taking a look at is found in Joel 2 verse 28 and 29 and it reads, Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. God in heaven, we are down here below and you saw fit to send your son, Jesus Christ, down here to us so that we could experience a relationship with you and know what it means to abide in your presence. God, we're seeking a new understanding of your Holy Spirit today and asking the question, who is the Holy Spirit for? God, I pray that this space continues to be holy ground that we come before you as a community seeking to worship you in these uncertain times. God, thank you for meeting us here, and for showing us a glimpse of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Past couple weeks, we've been looking at the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, leaning in to who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit interacts in our lives. About three weeks ago now, or four weeks ago, we looked at a passage in Luke. And I talked about how God asks us to constantly ask for the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, daily ask for the Holy Spirit. Two weeks ago, Pastor Danny shared with us from Romans chapter 7 and 8 that life is going to be difficult, right? We're going to go back and forth between the nature that God is creating anew inside of us and the old nature that we were born into sin. But by the grace of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be raised to walk a new life. Last week, Pastor Jonathan shared with us from Galatians chapter 5 about how we surrender daily and walk with the Holy Spirit. This morning, we're going to be looking at Joel chapter So I invite you to open up your Bibles. Go ahead and go to Joel chapter two. And while you're doing that, we've been loosely basing this series on a little book called Steps to Personal Revival. Today, we're we're taking a a look at Joel chapter two and kind of basing a little bit off of chapter four in this book. And I encourage you to take it, read it, study it with uh, your family, friends, maybe a small group, something. I encourage you to read this book. It'll change your lives as we grow in steps towards personal revival. So, Joel chapter two, it's where we're headed today. Now, I have never preached a sermon on the book of Joel at all. Have any of you done that? No, okay. How many of you have heard a sermon on the book of Joel? See one, to, okay, those of you who were here for daybreak this morning, that one doesn't count. Pastor James is preaching on this too, because we're kind of teaming up on this sermon. Joel chapter, Joel chapter one is where we are going to begin. So I'll put that up on the screen for you. Joel chapter one, we'll begin reading there. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Here's how it says. The Lord gave this message to Joel, 
son of Pethuel, hear this, you leaders of the people. Listen, all who live in the land, in all your history, has anything like this happened before? Verse 3. Tell your children about it in the years to come and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. There's something going on in the book of Joel. Joel comes out from the beginning and says, has anything like this happened before? Has anything like this happened before? What could it be? Could they have lived through a year as bad as 2020? Maybe. I don't know. Here's what happened. Quick summary. Joel chapter 1 verse 4 puts it this way. After the cutting locust finished eating the crops, the swarming locust took what was left. And after them came the hopping locust. And then the stripping locust too. This particular passage is kind of like, when was the last time a, 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 a swarm or a small flock of locusts came through Keen and devoured the land? Anybody been around for that? No, it's strange language, right? What does it mean for us to, to have locusts come through? But apparently at this time, there had been such a bad plague of locusts in the, the, the nation of Israel that it had totally devastated their community. And Joel maybe uses a little bit of hyperbole here. And what he says is that the locust came and the locust came and the locust came to the point that there was absolutely nothing left for the people to eat. Absolutely 100% total devastation. And the rest of Joel chapter 1 will continue to describe how this plague has come upon the children of Israel and how it's been difficult for them to live, so much so that the temple worship had stopped because there was no bread and no wine for the people. It's an interesting story to look at in the year that we've lived in, right? Maybe not devastated by a plague of locusts, devastated by the plague. And what's interesting in Joel chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Joel calls out to the people, and this is what he tells them. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. The day of the Lord is near. The day when destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be. Apparently, the devastation of the land was so catastrophic that Joel felt that it was utterly important that he could not do anything else but to tell the children of Israel to gather together and to seek the Lord because from the time that he was talking about forward, he saw something in the future that was going to bring about greater destruction. And he called that the day of the Lord. An interesting question to think about this morning is why does it take the crazy thing to happen for us to turn to God? Right? When everything's just kind of going easy, we're just kind of floating down the lazy river of life. Who needs God? But when the difficulties come, when we face the real threat of a pandemic in our nation, when we face the real threat of not being able to pay our school bill, when we face the real threat of our lives crumbling down around us as relationships shift and change, why is it then that we turn to God? 
I think Joel has something to tell us this morning about, about that. And don't get me wrong. When things go bad, please turn to God. That's the, the place of your sure comfort, your hope. The place that you can go to where I guarantee you, you will not be let down. I encourage you in your time of peace and safety that we might be living in now to continue to foster a relationship with Jesus so that God is not the afterthought or the second one thought of, but the first that you come to each and every day you open your eyes and walk on the face of this earth. Joel feels this deep sense of concern for his people. He calls on the leaders and he's like, we've got to set aside some time. He calls for a deep, or he sees a deep connection between the actions of the people and the circumstances that they have found themselves in. As we go through Joel, we don't have time to read all of Joel chapter 2 and Joel chapter 3. I encourage you maybe this afternoon, this week, take some time to look at it. It's only three chapters long. It's a very short book, but so poignant. Joel, in his wisdom from on high, in, after the verses we've just read in Joel chapter 1, begins to mix through poetry the present and the future. And you look at scholarship and they don't, they, don't, they don't understand. They're like, Joel is an anomaly in the book or in the, in the Old Testament. We can't tell if Joel was written before the other major prophets because the other major prophets are quoting Joel or if Joel was written after the other major and minor prophets because Joel is quoting the other prophets. And whenever we're faced with that kind of conundrum, just the answer is yes and, and we move on. It's okay. But it's interesting to think about how he's so concerned for the people, and he sees played out in their lives in that day something that would come in the future that he knew he had to write down so that maybe we could learn a lesson from it. In Joel chapter 2, he's got a vision of the future. He uses military language and kind of blends it with the locusts. And is it a military invader or is it a swarm of locusts? I think both are bad. I mean, if that happened here in Keene, we wouldn't like... Locusts are bad if they descend. A military invasion is bad. They're both bad. So it's kind of, uh, in some ways, a moot point. But he has this vision of the day of the Lord being imminent and great. And that that day of judgment, when God returns to this earth, he says, that's, that's going to be a difficult day because sin and destruction cannot stand in the face of God. And this earth literally crumbles as God looks towards it. But he wants to remind us that even in the midst of this, that there might be a little bit of hope. It's in Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. He continues on in verse 13. Don't tear down your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not punish. Does anybody, like your heart turns when you hear that? That God is a God whose, whose default is mercy. 
His modus operandi is compassion. The way he moves through this world is slowly not to get angry, but to redeem his people. He is filled with unfailing love. What a mighty God we serve. That even in the midst of destruction and devastation and this sin-marred world that we live in, God extends forth his hand and says, I love you with an everlasting love and I'm drawing you towards me. No matter what had happened in Israel's past, God would take on the form of compassion for them. And I would offer to you today that no matter what's happened in your past, God takes on the form of compassion and mercy and love. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, whether you're sitting on this side or on this side over here, or you're watching online or listening to the podcast later. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. You are loved. We are loved by a compassionate and merciful God. Arms open wide to extend towards us. These times we live in, we, you know, modern medicine abounds, right? And there's been shiftings over the years. It used to be in past centuries that you just try to take care of the symptoms and as long as you weren't in pain or, you know, just remove something and, and everything's okay. But as medicine has begun to grow and we've learned more about the human body, Scientists and, and physicians and, and health experts are saying, hey, we're more than just kind of this contraption of systems put together that they work independently. We are whole human beings. Go figure. God said it in Genesis chapter one when he created us in his image. So how much more when God extends his love and his grace and his mercy towards us that he's after our whole hearts. He says, I've got to get at the root. The actions that you have on a day, that, that just, that comes out of a, 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 a sinful nature. But when I come in and I transform your heart, when I dig deep and show you my love and my mercy for you, I transform who you are so that you can walk and follow my ways. God doesn't just treat the symptoms. He deals with the disease. And here's how the people respond. Joel chapter 2. Verse 17, calls out, he says, let them pray. Spare your people, Lord. Don't let your special possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joke for unbelieving foreigners who say, has the God of Israel left them? And the difficult times that we face, it could be easy for us to say, God has abandoned his church. God has abandoned this nation. God has abandoned me. But what the people cry out, God, spare us, spare your people, Lord. And the question that I, I think in my mind this morning, what would it look like as we as a community banded together and God said, spare America, spare your church, spare your people, God. What would this world look like? What would our community look like? Often, you know, we don't know what decisions to make. We go through blind because we can't see the end from the beginning. We serve the God who does. May we cry out, God, heal our land, save our people, do whatever it takes. But God, spare your people. You're gracious, you're merciful, you're compassionate. 
don't make it so that future generations and that people that are on the outside looking in be like, <laughs> God has totally left Elevate. God has, has left Keene Church. God has left the city of Keene because where's, where's God at? Can't he protect? Is his arm too short that he cannot reach you? Serve a loving and compassionate God who draws us. And as Joel entreats the people and say, cry out to him, spare your people, God replies in Joel chapter two, verse 18. Then the Lord will pity his people and jealously guard the honor of the land. God says, I, I've, I've heard my people. I'm gonna take pity for them. What is happening? I'm going to move in in such a way. And here's what happened. We don't have time to take a look at all of it, but Joel 2, 19 through 21, talk about the promise of the defeated invaders. Those who had come in and invaded the land, God says, I'm gonna take care of all of them. Just don't worry, they're gonna be gone. Joel 2, 26 through, 22 through 26 says, there, there's a promise there to restore the devastated land. Whatever the locusts have eaten, I'm gonna give it back to you and even more so. And in Joel 2.27, the promise of divine presence among God's people. And it's in the midst of these promises that we get this term, the early and the latter rain. You familiar with the term early and latter rain? Is it just me? A few of you? Yes? No? Okay, a few of you, right? So, and that's kind of used in terms of eschatology or to talk about the end, right? The early and the latter rain that the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out in a particular way. It's in the midst of the promise of the defeat of the invaders and the promise of the restored, uh, the restoration of the devastated land and the promise of divine presence that God says, I've got something for you. I've poured it out early and I'm going to pour it out late and I'm going to continue to pour it out in your life. Joel chapter two, verses 28. 29. Then after doing all of those things, the promises that God has given to his people, I, the Lord, your God, will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Verse 29. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. So let's back it up to verse 28 real quick is we have to unpack this a little bit. God, in talking about the Holy Spirit, uses the language of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And generally, when you pour something out, right, you take it from a vessel that contains whatever thing you want to pour out, and you take it to a vessel, I guess we could call it a cup, right? You know, I drink from a vessel today. No, drink from a cup. So you take the pitcher, you pour it into a cup, right? The thing that is full fills the un filled. God says, I'm going to take the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to pour that out in your life. I, the Lord God, am full of grace, mercy, and compassion. And I will give you my Holy Spirit to be poured out in your life from the filled to the unfilled. And we are recreated as sons and daughters of God. But Joel doesn't just finish there. You know, he's, he's looking, maybe he's looking at the old, other prophets or maybe the prophets are looking at him. And we see this theme throughout the rest of scripture. Isaiah chapter 32, verse 15. Until at last the spirit is poured out on us from heaven, then the wilderness will become a fertile field and the fertile field will yield bountiful crops. Isaiah 44, verse three. For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields. I will pour out my 
spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. In Ezekiel chapter 36, 23 through 28, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Verse 28. Next verse. There we go. Ah. I guess that's it. I thought we had another verse, but we don't. Joke's on me. So the Holy Spirit is being poured out in Joel and throughout Scripture. It says, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to pour my spirit out so that you walk and leave from this place in newness of life. And back to Joel 2, 28 through 29. And I love how this passage breaks down that there's no discrimination on who the Holy Spirit is poured out on. I'll pour my spirit out upon all people. And I think Joel is pretty explicit there, right? He says, all people. And I can imagine someone saying, going saying, oh, but, but, like, okay, like the kids don't get it right. It's just the adults. And he says, no, no, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Oh, okay. So uh, uh, like not the kids, like, okay, so parents, and, uh, but like, uh, you know, the old people, they're not going to get it. No, he says, your old men will dream dreams. Yeah, but the young men, no. Your young men will see visions as well. And he says, I'm even going to pour out my spirit on the servants. In this passage, Joel breaks down for us through the inspiration of God that there is no discrimination upon whom the Holy Spirit is poured out. The day is coming and even now is when God's people will not walk by sight, but by faith. The day is coming and even now is when God will pour out his spirit on all people with no discrimination. Young, old, women, men, servants. We don't have servants anymore, or do we? Maybe we could look at it this way. No discrimination of gender, no discrimination of age, or of social social status. The Holy Spirit is for all people, full stop. And I love how Joel kind of paints this. And if uh, uh, this was like the OG Oprah Winfrey show, right? You know, how she'll be like, you get a car, you get a car, like you get a car, yeah. God comes down through Joel and says, you get the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit. You get, everybody gets the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, that kind of fires me up. Everybody today is kind of like, yes, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, Holy Spirit, yes, okay. I get, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to walk out with the Holy Spirit today. No, God says, the Holy Spirit is here and ready for you to access. I'm pouring it out into you so that you can walk into newness of life. God, if that's it, pour it out. The Holy Spirit doesn't discriminate gender, age, social status. It's free and accessible to all. If that's it, God, pour it out. The vision of the future is, is one of total individual accessibility to the Holy Spirit. One where mankind, humankind, the human species is able to directly connect to the life-giving influence of God. If that's it, God, pour it out. If we've ever needed the Holy Spirit, we sure do need it now. So we finish up our time in scripture this morning talking to my friend, a friend of mine a couple of years ago. She uh, was working at Buffalo Wild Wings as a, as a server. She told me that as she's serving and taking care of people, there's a little Buffalo Wild Wings uh, label on each cup. She says, before the level of soda, water, tea, whatever's in there, drops below the logo, I've got to be there to fill it back up. No cup gets down to the bottom. 
Nothing drops below a certain level. I've got to make sure that I'm there to fill each person's cup. And what God offers us today through the book of Joel is that same concept. God says, no, I'm pouring my spirit out on you. Whenever you feel weak, I'm strong because I'm the one that fills you. When we feel like we're depleted and the level of our spiritual life has dropped below a particular spot, God says, I'm here to fill it. I'm here to pour out my Holy Spirit into your lives. And no doubt, difficult times will come. And Joel acknowledges that in the next verse. I think it's verse 30. And I will cause wonders in heavens, this is God speaking, and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. Difficult times are going to come. If the New Testament writers thought they were living in the end times, I'm not sure what we're living in now except the end of the end times. God says difficult times are going to come, but here is the power of God working in you. Joel chapter 2, verse 32. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For from Mount Zion and Jerusalem, some will escape, just as the Lord has said. Those will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. God says there's a remnant. There's a small group of people that believes in my name that I'm going to save. And the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is so that anybody, anybody can be saved. We call on the name of the Lord. That's in Jesus Christ. So we find our salvation. God says, Holy Spirit is yours. Free gift. Here you go. Ellen White puts it this way in Desire of Ages chapter, or page 363. We must individually hear him speaking to the heart. When every other voice is hushed and in the quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. He bids us be still and know that I'm God. The power of Joel today in your life is that you can by yourself. You don't need me. You don't need elevate. You don't need anybody else. You can seek God for yourself. He's as tangible as the person sitting next to you. And I encourage you today that as we go into a new week and face uncertainty from left and right, who knows what this next week holds, that you would take time in the quiet space to find holy ground and ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. God promises I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you right here. It's here for you. We must individually hear God speak to our hearts. So here's my heart for you this morning. Difficult times lay ahead, that's for sure. There might be a day in the future that this expression of worship could cost us our lives. And I'm not trying to be like fanatical and like, you know, just kind of crazy out there. There's just, there's the real reality, right? My hope and prayer for you to pastor in this community, and a friend to each of you, that you would seek God. Because the only thing that gets you past what's to come is Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. When you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Seek God. Call on him. He wants to be known by you, and he anxiously awaits for his people to be connected to him by the Holy Spirit. 
Why does it sometimes take crazy things to bring us back to God? I want to be fully honest. This past week has been crazy for me because it's brought me closer to God. I had to say goodbye to my best friend last night. He went back to Ohio. And I'm sure you can already hear in my voice, it's tough. But God has been with me throughout the entire way. I've turned to him in the good and the bad, not just because my best friend left, but he's going to be with me through it because he's with us through the fire. I wanna encourage you that if you're going through a rough time right now, Bring it to God. Cry out to God and he will pour out his Holy Spirit on you. Thank you so much for listening to this message of Elevate Retake. I'm so excited to be able to sit down with Pastor Michael this week and a guest and talk through this message and how much it meant to me. I hope that you will join us later this week and be on the lookout. I'll see you soon.